good to be in God's house today and um, it almost feels like it's been forever since I've been here. I've been away a couple of weeks and uh, you know it's refreshing to come back into the presence of God, in the house of God, in the family of God. That's what family is, isn't it? There's something refreshing about being in the midst of your own church with your own family and um, I thank God for every one of you. This morning, as I was reflecting over the week of uh, what God has for us and what God wants to speak into our hearts, uh, the Lord put a certain passage of scripture in my mind. But I'm going to start off uh, with this. We're going to look at markers. And, uh, you know, in life, we have a lot of markers that we have. We have uh, birthdays, right? And when you get to a certain point, you start counting them less. I remember as a child, we were looking as, um, I was back with my parents in Sri Lanka and um, family. We decided to pull out some old photographs. Anyone pulled out old photographs and held your head? Yeah, I have, right? I had a lot more also to hear at that point but anyway um, but those old photographs and you see the cakes and you know we look forward to those birthdays and then I think as you go a little older it changes a bit and you're like um, okay uh, and then they'll ask you how old are you and you've got to calculate at a certain point that's a dangerous place to get to right I'm getting there and I'm like oh okay so it had to be this minus this okay I got my age right but we have markers in life, places that we put, chapters. In a book, we have chapters so that we can go back to that place, we can find the place. We have markers, anniversaries for this and anniversaries for that, anniversaries for the first day I met so-and-so, for the first day, you know, we fell in love, anniversaries, and then wedding anniversaries, everything. We've got a marker in life and maybe you know as you come to the end of each year that's a place for a marker how many have made a new year's resolution nobody nobody okay no criticism in that because most of the time when we do make a new year's resolution it lasts for the first five days right have you noticed that i don't know i've made new year's resolutions i've gone for it and then suddenly you find that you fail and crash. And then you come to a decision-making point. Now, do I get up and go, or you know what, I messed it up so much, I'll just wait for the next new year. Anyone been there? Trying to diet, right? They say, I am going to just persevere with this. And then, you know, you get this, especially when you travel overseas, right? How can you diet? It's not fair. Right, so um, I tried very hard, right? But at a certain point, uh, we had a meal at home, and I was like, "This is so tasty! I can never get this in Australia." So, what do I do? And I ate one portion, and I was full. And then my eyes widened up, and I was like. I'm never going to eat this for another year probably. So I ate a whole second portion. And for the rest of the day, I suffered because I overate. Right? 
But you see, sometimes we make these resolutions and then we find, okay, something happens and we break the resolution. Markers. And in our lives, we will place markers. And if you haven't made a New Year's resolution, I think today is a great day. Because God wants us to make some resolutions. Resolutions that will have a starting point and say, from today, something's going to change. From today, something's going to change. So can we just maybe venture to say that? From today, something's going to change. Yeah? Would you mind joining me in that? From today, something's going to change. Right? And I'm not telling you to change according to what I want. I'm going to tell you to change according to what God wants. Um, in uh, John chapter 15, we're going to read this morning, Jesus uh, speaks to his disciples. And I'll just get that up. John 15. Yep. He says, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do, what was that? There was a word there, I missed it. Sorry, I didn't hear it. Nothing. It says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Thank you. I like a little interaction. It helps me. Uh, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And uh, we see here that Jesus gives a beautiful analogy of what it would be to remain in him. What life would be like, a life that is flourishing and fruitful, a life that is blessed of God, a life where he actually says, you can ask anything of me and I will give it to you, right? Now, wouldn't be like that. We have to read it in context. But God is speaking and is saying, there is more. There is more that I have for you. And I want to just declare that over 2023. That there is more that God wants to do in us. There is more. But he gives a principle. He says, remain in me, abide in me, and you will have this. Remain in me and understand that you can do nothing without me. So the power of Flourishing comes from remaining. But to truly understand this, I'm going to give you some context. And the context of this passage, which is John uh, chapter 15, takes place just after 
the Lord's Supper. In chapter 13, the Lord's Supper takes place and uh, Jesus speaks to his disciples and at the table, he mentions that one of them is going to betray him. It says, after he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. And we see that there is some degree of, you know, confusion in the disciples' minds because Jesus has just said, one of you is going to betray me. And they're like, who me? Who me? Who me? No. Is it you? And there was this questioning that was going on. And then Jesus identifies Judas and he says, the one who dips the bread is the one who's going to betray me. He then tells Judas, go and do what you're supposed to do. Go and do it quickly. And we find that now things are moving very fast. John 13, Last Supper. After that, Jesus speaks to the 12, 11 now who are remaining. Judas is gone. And he says, I'm going to go to a place and you can't come there with me. And you can imagine for these disciples who had walked with Jesus for three years, suddenly they were at a loss. There's no more physical Jesus with me. How am I going to do life and what is my future in front? Because now things have changed. And then he goes on and he starts to tell them, but there is something else that I want to tell you. And that is that you are going to do greater things than I have done. Verse 14, uh, chapter 14, verses 12 to 14. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask once again, whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name. Now, this is not some sort of a, you know, a snap your fingers, God will work system, right? Where you say, okay, I ask in the name of Jesus, so God got to do it. But God is say, uh, Jesus is saying, because of me, there's going to be some openings for you. And you can imagine that these guys were receiving all these words into their lives and they were like, whoa, what is our future going to be like? Jesus has been with us and Jesus is going. Now Jesus is telling us, you're going to do greater things. How is this even possible? So you can imagine in the evening of Thursday, they've had the Last Supper. That night, Jesus was arrested. So this has happened within a space of hours that Jesus is speaking this. So Jesus tells them at the end of chapter 14, let's go from here. So they set out from the upper room. And I am trying to put myself in this sort of uh, picture because this passage in Chapter 15 is going to leap out to you when you do. So last supper, Jesus speaks. Now they head out of the upper room. And as they're going, I guess Jesus realizes that these guys are troubled. There is something in their mind, a great big question. 
You know, sometimes we've got a question in mind and we don't even know how to ask it. Have you been there? Where you, you know something's happening, something's confusing you, something's getting in your mind. You can't even articulate, but your tri spirit is troubled. And I guess Jesus, being God, knew that these guys were troubled in their spirit. And he addresses the elephant in the room. He addresses the question they were having in their minds. They were having numerous questions. Questions about, well, how is it that Jesus, Judas, who walked with us, has fallen away? Can any one of us end up in the same boat? Valid questions. And uh, Jesus never leaves us on the lurch. If we will go to the word, we will find the answers. And he stops and he says, I guess in today's context, it may not be a vine. I was looking at this as thinking in today's context, what would Jesus use as an analogy for staying connected? Maybe he'll put his iPhone up with the battery half dead and say, see where this is heading. Right? Anyone run out of a battery when you just needed to take that call? Right? Um, my sister in Sri Lanka, we have a go at her. She, she uh, constantly has a dead battery. Her, her, I don't know why. But her phone runs out faster than anyone else. So whenever we call her, we can't get her. Because her battery is dead. And I was thinking, maybe Jesus might pull out his iPhone and say, dead battery no connection, get connected to the source. But given his time, he sees a vine. And he says, guys, I'm going to give you an analogy. An analogy of what it is to be fruitful. And the analogy is going to come from the vine. Because you have been chosen to be fruitful. Can we speak that over our lives this morning? Can we say to ourselves, I have been chosen to be fruitful? You have been chosen, selected to be fruitful. God has a purpose for your life. Not one of us is on earth by accident. We are here by a divine plan and purpose of God. And let no one speak otherwise to you. Isn't it funny that when the uh, devil tries to get to you. The first thing he tries to do is to change your purpose. To change, attack your sense of purpose. And when trouble comes and situations come, it will attack that and you say, God, what on earth am I here for? Think of all the prophets in the Bible. Think of Elijah. He said, Lord, take my life. I have no more use. Think of Jonah. He said, Lord, take my life. Why? Because the devil wants to tell you you have no purpose. But I want to encourage us this morning that the word of God says that you are chosen to be fruitful. Your life and mine has a purpose. 2023 can become your, your year of purpose in God. And Jesus starts to explain this. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. 
and he prunes every branch that does bear fruit to make it more fruitful. So what is Jesus saying? When we look in context, he's talking of a situation that is in their mind. The question is, why did Judas fall? Is it possible that I can be with Jesus and not be with Jesus? You get what I mean? You can be with Jesus and not be with Jesus. Judas was one of the twelve. Judas was involved with Jesus in the ministry. He went with Jesus. Judas was the keeper of the money bags. But Judas only saw value in Jesus to meet a need, not a relationship with Jesus. And you know, as I was reading this, I was looking at it and I was saying, God, maybe you're speaking to me as you might be speaking to others this morning. That maybe I need to take a step before I start anything in 2023 and say, God, where is my relationship with you? Where is my relationship with you? Is my relationship like Judas where I only want something for myself, where I come to church and I pray and I wait in the presence of God only for an answer, or do I have a genuine relationship with Jesus? Because that is the place of flourishing. And you might think, oh, you know what, I have situations in my life, challenges, does it mean that God has rejected me? Jesus answers all these questions just in this one verse. He says, there are two types of branches, the dead ones and the ones that are producing. And he cuts away, he removes the dead one, talking of Judas, removed. But he prunes to make the better ones flourish better. And you know, there are times in my life where I have asked the question, God, why is this happening? Have you asked that question? God, why is this happening? Why is this situation happening? God, I am genuinely, Lord, connected to you. I believe in you. Why is this happening? Jesus is answering a question there. He says, I prune the branches I see value in. I prune the branches I see value in. Because as I prune, you will have a better outcome. Now, I'm not a gardener. But I do have some rose bushes, the poor rose bushes. I feel sorry for them, right? But um, I try to prune these rose bushes to bring out a better harvest. I don't know if I do it right or if I do it wrong or whether I need to go and meet Trevor who knows all about rose bushes and find out whether I'm doing it correctly, right? But I prune back these rose bushes and I do find that they respond to pruning because when they grow tall and they're just waving around with their roses, after a while, the wind takes them down and the bush breaks. But if I will step in quickly, prune them back, I make them prepared for another harvest. And they keep producing 
roses. And it's a similar thing. So Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says there are two types of branches. One that is there but not connected and there is one that I will keep nurturing. And maybe you are this morning in a place where God is nurturing. And I want to remind you that God is doing that because he sees value in your life. When we look at the life of Joseph, Joseph had a dream. He had a promise from God, but he had a journey before that promise could be fulfilled. That journey was a journey that in the natural, I might have said, God, why? God, why? But Joseph dug deeper. So I want to encourage you this morning that Jesus sees value in you. I've put down there that there's evidence of connection. And you know, you might ask, as the disciples I'm sure asked that day, well, if Judas, who looked the part, acted the part, and seemed the part, right, fell away, how about me? And Jesus says, you don't need to worry. You don't need to worry. Because if there is fruit produced in your life, it means you are connected. Dead branches don't bear fruit. Dead branches don't bear fruit. So if there is fruit in your life, you don't need to worry. You are connected. And uh, you might ask, well, God, what is this fruit you're talking of? Because how will I know if I am fruitful? And the Bible here is talking of fruits of righteousness. Fruit of righteousness. Not just fruit of reaching people, but fruit of righteousness. Is my life starting to be more Christ-like? Do I see a difference from how I might have reacted to something a while ago to how I will react to it now? Do I see that I am taking Christ's mind and applying it in my life situation? Am I conformed to the image and likeness of Christ? Fruit that will last has evidence. And today I just want to pause for a moment because I believe that this is an important thing for us. Before we can move on into all that God wants to do, and I'm going to do that very quickly in the next few minutes, I want us to pause and ask the question, is the fruit evident in my life? Is the fruit evident in my life? Because that is the question that had to be answered. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And you know, as Christians, sometimes we can claim to have a connection and not be able to tell the difference. But the only way that Jesus says you do is by the fruit. So if there isn't any fruit, we might have to go and recheck the connection. We might have to check whether we are actually grafted, connected, abiding in the vine. Because otherwise, fruit should be appearing. 
You see, a branch doesn't produce fruit on its own. It is the vine that uses the branch to produce the fruit. And today in our lives, let's just ask ourselves a question. Is there evidence of fruitfulness in my life? The disciples took this on board. Jesus said, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Three times he makes this statement. The next one he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 7, he says it again. He says, remain in me and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's a powerful statement. But Jesus is saying, there is a precondition to what is going to take place. You have to remain in me. And this would have meant a lot for these disciples because Jesus is saying, I am going away. You're going to do greater things than me. And they are like, woo, how do we do that? And Jesus says, here is the answer. And you know, he's speaking to them 2,000 years ago, and he speaks the same words to us today. He says, if you remain in me, you will bear fruit. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask anything and it will be done. That's powerful. But he's saying the word of God must remain in me. And you know, there is a great difference there between just knowing the word and living by the word. And I want to encourage you that God is saying, if you are to abide in me, the word must abide in you. So let's see this in action. Because now they've heard the word. We're going to jump forward a few years. Uh, uh, a few months, Right? They're going to jump forward. They've heard that Jesus is going away. Jesus has given them an analogy. And now they're on their own. And we see that they have taken the word. These disciples chose, if you look at the book of Acts, they chose certain principles of abiding. The first is that they would devote themselves to prayer and the reading of the word. They started to devote themselves to abiding. And it started to have amazing results. Let's see some of these things that started to happen. When there was, um, you know, challenge and persecution, a newfound peace came on them. Peter is in prison. It says, but the church prayed earnestly. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. This was a troubling time. Peter was having a nap. Why? Because fruit 
were now starting to come forth. Fruit was coming out in his life. And maybe you're looking for peace this morning. Maybe you are in that place where I am facing challenge and trial. And God is saying, remain in me. Abide in me. Stay in me. Because that is where that will come. The peace of God will come upon you. Peter had made a choice. Peter had taken the analogy and he had applied it to his life. And I want to encourage us this morning that just as Jesus has given an analogy to them, the same applies to us. If we will apply it to our life, we will see the power of God. What happens? That night, an angel of God comes in. The prison could not contain Peter. Why? Because he chose to abide. And friends, I just want to encourage you this morning. Abiding has great outcomes. Abiding. Let's, I'll show you another passage. It's from um, Acts chapter 16. And it is where Paul and Silas, moving down, Paul and Silas, they are in prison. And we see that they have chosen to abide. And they choose in the prison not to let the prison contain them. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of, to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. What was happening? What was going on? These people were now realizing that abiding has power. Abiding has power. It changes situations. Because when we abide, the prison can't contain us. So they start to sing praises to God. And it says that when they did that, there was an earthquake. Things changed. The shackles fell. Why? Because when we abide, when we stay in the presence, God changes things. Acts chapter 4. It says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. What's it talking of there? Abiding. They had been with Jesus and they were continuing to be with Jesus. And my friends, if I can inspire you of one thing for 2023, it's this. Make a choice to abide. Make a choice to abide. A choice to stay connected to God. A choice to prioritize God in your life. You see, we can be fruitful in business, in other things. God bless you and thank God for that. But the Bible says that we must have fruit that will last. And the fruit that will last has to be within us, the works of righteousness, and it has to be in the lives of people. And friends, today, if we stop for a moment and take stock, would we say that we have fruit that will last. Fruit in our lives. We talked of the fruit. We talked of it being the evidence. We talked of the fact that that is the way we know we are connected to Jesus. Do we have fruit, lasting fruit in our lives? And I want to challenge you this morning that God may be speaking to us for 2023 and saying, 
make this be the year of abiding. The year where I say, God, you will be number one in my life. God, I will come to you irrespective of what happens in my life. I will put you first. I will honor you with everything. And friends, today we might have challenge, we might have situations that are going on. But choose to abide. Choose to abide. That is where power comes from. The Apostle James writes this. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. If this is to be the year of God's favor, a year of blessing, a year where God is going to bring fruitfulness in our lives, it comes by a commitment not just to hear the word, but to be. You see, many times we agree with the word. Yes? You may be doing it right now. This morning, you might be saying, yes, I agree. I'll write that down. That was a good thought. But Jesus is saying, I need more than just agreement. I need more than just agreement. And you know, I can tell you very honestly that I have been guilty of this. Where I have listened to the word of God and I've agreed with it. Where I've done my devotions, I've even written something out of that devotion. In agreement. But when push comes to the shove, and it comes to actually doing what God has impressed in my heart. I have not always done it. I have chosen to walk away and say, God, I can't do that. I can't do that. But friends, that is not abiding. Abiding is where we say, God, I'm going to be doing more than just agreement. And I want to challenge you. I've left a couple of thoughts in your minds today. A couple of, uh, uh, you know, statements. But I want to close with this statement. That it is more than just agreement. Are we willing to make a commitment this morning? And say, God, I won't just be a hearer of the word. I will be a doer. Because there is a promise, there is a promise that James is talking of when he says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it. If you're underlining a verse in your Bible, this is a good one to underline. Not forgetting what they have heard, but 
doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. God desires to bless us. But blessing comes at a price. It calls for a price. Jesus said that there is a price in following him. He never made the Christian gospel an easy one. He said it's tough. He said there is a road that is narrow and there is a broad road. He said many will go for the broad road. And few will go for the narrow one. Friends, are we willing to pay the price? Are we willing to say, God, I want to flourish, but I'm willing to pay the price? Jesus paid the price. He asks nothing less from us. Shall we bow our heads this morning? Let's stand together. You know, there's a song that I asked uh, to be put up today because um, I just felt that God wanted us to just come to an understanding of what surrender is. It's to understand our relationship with God. Our relationship, sometimes we, we change it around and we try to make it that, God, we tell you what to do and we'll come on our terms. But he is the potter. I am the clay.